Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Welcome back to episode 329 of Sexology Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Eric Sprankle. Dr. Sprankle is a professor of clinical psychology at Minnesota State University, where he is also the co-founder and co-director of Sexuality Studies Program. Dr. Sprankle received his doctorate in clinical psychology from Javier University and completed a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Minnesota Medical School's program in human sexuality. His current research focuses on the intersection of sexuality, stigma, and Satanism. His first book, DIY, The Wonderfully Weird History and Science of Masturbation, will be published late 2023. We're going to talk about the world of masturbation in this episode. Together with Dr. Sprankel, we're going to debunk some common myths and misconceptions that surround this fascinating subject. We also will explore the benefits of masturbation, discuss the notion of sex addiction from psychology and also sex therapists' perspective and address the ever-controversial question, is it okay to masturbate? 
while in a relationship. By shedding light on the potential advantages and disadvantages of solo pleasure with committed partnership, we aim to provide you with a better understanding of different component of sexual dynamic, and more importantly, give you all the tools and strategy you would need to make the decision for yourself. But before we dive into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We regularly post our most engaging interviews and insightful content there, ensuring you never miss out on a valuable discussion. Plus, I personally take the time to answer your questions on the channel. So make sure to hit the subscribe button. The handle is at Sexology Podcast. And if you have a burning question you like me to address, you can record it using the link in the show notes. And I would be happy to answer them in the YouTube channel or in the podcast anonymously. So you just need to ask your question and I'll do my best to answer them as quickly as possible. So let's continue building our community together as we explore the captive world of human sexuality. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Eric Frankel on our show. Dr. Eric Frankel on our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am excited about this conversation. I, I saw a preview of it seems like you have a book on history of masturbation coming up. So I definitely want to hear more about that. We're doing a season currently on psychology of relationships because many of our listeners, they wanted to know how they can navigate things in their relationships. And this will be part of that. But I'm very curious about the book. I know it's not coming up for next few months, but what are you going to talk about? What, what is the content about the history? How did you get curious about the history? Yeah, so it's both about the, the history and science of masturbation. The historical component is really just more of to put the science of masturbation more into a, a context that our myths and some of this mis misinformation that we have about masturbation currently is really no different than the myths and misinformation about masturbation that existed a couple of centuries ago. And what got me interested initially was on Instagram, where I was posting something relating to, to masturbation being healthy, something that I thought that was pretty non-controversial. And then I noticed that there were several comments that were talking about some like ridiculous claims that masturbation caused either in them or others, things like decreases in testosterone or zinc lost, or it's, it's exacerbating someone's social anxiety and they're having a hard time dating because of this. And that got me thinking, like, that, that can't be right. Like, but, you know, having some humility, I'm like, okay, maybe I missed an article on the science of masturbation that actually shows this. And I was initially right. My gut was right. Like, no, they're, they're wrong. But that got me thinking of like, well, how common are these beliefs still? And it kind of goes beyond like the, you know, the old wise tale of like hairy palms and going blind. But that kind of belief system still certainly exists in our society of not being quite sure about how healthy masturbation is. And so that was really the genesis of me digging deep into the topics, all the different types of topics that exist within masturbation. And that was pretty much the start of the book. 
I also was very surprised initially when I became more active and social media about masturbation. So as, as many of our listeners, they know I'm bilingual, bicultural, and like I have a Farsi show as well. And like it was very controversial when I was saying that like masturbation is the healthy form of sexual expression. And people started tagging me on different pages. And I, I saw there was just even so many non, non-religious pages, like, like for example, bodybuilding pages that were talking about if you masturbate, even the smell of your sweat is different. Like it's the things that claims that people make is just so wild and they're just so adamant about these things that it, at times it's it led me to question my my style as well. Like I have patient psychology, I know I read, I, I, I know about these things, but they're just so kind of like firm on their beliefs that no, we know that that's how it is and you're probably mistaken. So I'm, I'm excited about that book. I know that we talk about some of the misconceptions, but what are other misconceptions that you hear about masturbation and how can people address those? Yeah. So I think, you know, beyond the ridiculous, you know, claims that, you know, masturbation causes like tooth loss or depression or something, something ridiculous like that. I think what is more common, even within the sexual health field, unfortunately, is this belief that masturbation is okay, that it's healthy as long as it's done in moderation. And it's that qualifier, that in moderation part that always kind of rubs me the wrong way for a couple of reasons. One is that moderation is is relative, like moderation as a word, like trying to quantify moderation is, is not possible in this context. There's no number that it would be, okay, this is low moderate, this is low masturbation, this is moderate masturbation, and this is like excessive masturbation. That kind of number, those numbers do not exist. So that's one problem with it. The other problem with it is that it really kind of reflects masturbation being viewed as kind of like a second tier sexual behavior. Because we would never say, especially to like a, a married couple, that it's great that you have sex as long as it's only in moderation. We would never add that qualifier to that. We would like celebrate like frequent sex among spouses. If a couple was having sex every day, that would be something that would be celebrated and not something that we would be looking at and be like, mm, I think that's kind of excessive for them. That's something that, that may be wrong with them. But we do that with masturbation. And I think that shows kind of our discomfort with this behavior, thinking that it is something maybe inherently wrong with it or inherently unhealthy. So it's okay, but only in a certain amount. We kind of treat it like it's a Boston cream donut or something. It's like, it's okay once in a while, but let's not get too crazy with it. Let's make sure that it's only in moderation. Well, we, I heard and read about the benefits of masturbation. As you mentioned, it's not only something that you must do it moderation but if if parts of you that's if that's part of your sexual expression it can be beneficial for your mental wellness for your body tell us more about that well i think it's important when we talk about like benefits of masturbation and this is also true for people who are masturbation abstainers that they think that it, it masturbation is inherently unhealthy right so what they get confused with this is that your body doesn't really care if you're masturbating or having sex with a partner an orgasm is essentially an orgasm Contextually, it can be different and can have different meanings and can have different motivations behind it. But physiologically, it's largely the same. And so if we're looking at masturbation benefits, it's really we're really just talking about orgasm benefits. So it doesn't matter if it's through solo sex or with partnered sex. And so with that in mind, then we would be looking at the effects of orgasm. So we not only have the pleasure leading up to orgasm to the point of climax, but also the feelings of relaxation and contentment that can come following an orgasm. And it's those feelings that usually fuel the motivation behind engaging in the behavior. And so that's why you see people 
wanting to, to masturbate as a way to just one, just for experiencing pleasure. That's going to be the top motivation. That's, that's obvious, but also being motivated to masturbate, to relieve stress, to help relax and to possibly even help fall asleep. Some even do it to relieve pain. And that's all just the nature and the, the mechanisms of orgasm and the kind of the effect that it has on the body. That's not true for everybody. And so it should be, I, I don't want to make blanket statements of like, yes, masturbation is a great pain reliever. Some people experience pain relief, temporary pain relief as a result of an orgasm. Other people don't feel any relief at all. And sometimes it can exacerbate some type of pain, depending on what type of pain they're experiencing. I agree with you and bet you you read since you're publishing a book on that significantly more on the topic than me. But even the research study, I've seen several studies talking about kind of like orgasm, masturbation, helping people with different different positive experiences, the challenges they have, like reducing the pain. Some studies talk about helping with sleep. Some studies says it's neutral. But I haven't read any studies saying that it's bad. It's like depleting you of certain kind of like biochemistry in your body or changing your hormone or damaging your mental wellness. My experience is that the internalized guilt and shame that people have around that, that at times creates all of those negative experiences that people have, but it has nothing to do with the act of experiencing an orgasm through masturbation. It's, as you mentioned, the contextual element of it. Exactly. Yeah. And orgasm physically is not harmful to your body. And that's typically the argument that's being made by these abstainers, that it is harmful to your body. And that's no different than the argument that a, a reverend by the name of Sylvester Graham was making in the early 1800s, that he thought like having an orgasm was so detrimental to one's health because it was just like overacting every single bodily system. And it created pretty much every imaginable disease that you could think of. And that's all junk science. But unfortunately, those beliefs still persist today. So no, an orgasm is perfectly healthy and multiple orgasms a day are perfectly healthy. It's not depleting your body of anything. The only problem that can arise from masturbation with or without orgasm is like what you were saying. It's, it's how we're making sense out of the behavior. It's our attitudes about the behavior. It's our values, our morality about the behavior. And if they aren't aligned with masturbation, if we think it's immoral, unhealthy, not good for you, it's a sin, but we're doing it, that's going to obviously create some distress and feelings of guilt and shame. And that's a problem for the person. But it's not masturbation per se. It's the person's values about masturbation. I know people, some people that are more progressive, they think about, okay, masturbation perhaps is okay if it's, it's quote unquote okay if you are single, but if you are in a relationship, that's not healthy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally disagree with that. I understand where it can come from, but it can absolutely be healthy within a relationship. I'll qualify that with masturbation can be unhealthy in a relationship if one or more of the partners has a view of masturbation that it is unhealthy. And so obviously that would create conflict if you think that if you're in a relationship, you should not be masturbating, your partner should not be masturbating. But let's say that you found out that your partner is. That can create a relational conflict, right? But again, it's not masturbation per se that's creating the conflict. It's that a behavior is existing within the relationship that goes against that relationship's values. I would argue that in, in I, you know, oftentimes I would want to explore more, and this is more the case of like, you know, getting these individuals or couples into therapy to really kind of dig into, okay, what is the objection to you or your partner masturbating within a relationship? I would want to know things. Is it about insecurity? Is it feeling as if you should be the one to meet your partner's sexual needs 100% of the time, all the time? 
and just kind of putting that expectation and pressure on yourself and in the relationship. Do you feel like you're going to get replaced by masturbation, that your partner is going to start preferring solo sex to partnered sex? So you can have all these beliefs in which I would label, and I, I don't need, mean to like frame this negatively, but I, I would label them like irrational beliefs because there is more of a kind of a rational view that we can take of masturbation existing in relationships healthily. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't, I, based on at least my experience working with couples, I've never seen that if the relationship is that people are enjoying their experience that they have together, like the kind of 1% or both parties masturbating, impacting that. If anything, I feel like studies even show that women, for example, who are experiencing more orgasm, they experience more desire, therefore they want to have more sex. So it's, it's important to be kind of like aware of the misconceptions around this. And as you mentioned, sometimes in couples, it can be a difficult conversation. I know that at times people, like I get calls in my practice that people coming in, they're thinking about their partner has sex addiction. And when they're in my office, they're telling me, I told my partner not to watch porn and masturbate. And then they continue to call them later on. And they think that they couldn't stop because the person has an addiction. But when we're talking about it in, in couples therapies, value discrepancy that people have, like the part, the partner, you kind of, they masturbated for 20 years before meeting that partner. They had no intention of stopping that behavior, but they didn't feel comfortable verbalizing that to their partner because they don't want them to feel hurt. So it's a really hard conversation to have. So how do you recommend people to communicate about their masturbation preferences and habits to the partner? Is this an important conversation to have? Yeah, and I would put the bar extremely low in terms of what would be a necessary conversation to have within a relationship to have masturbation existing healthily. And that bar would be essentially just acknowledging that masturbation exists for the individuals in this relationship. And that's it. You don't have to get into details of like, you know, every time you masturbate, you have to report to your partner on a, you know, a 10 point scale of like how pleasurable the orgasm was. You don't have to report on how many milliliters you ejaculated of semen during your last masturbatory session, anything like that. That level of sharing is certainly unnecessary and it would actually be concerning if your partner wants that level of detail. So I, I think where a more appropriate place would be, and to, again, to put the bar very low, is just an acknowledgement that my partner masturbates, right? And if that's the reality and to be open and honest about that. I don't do clinical work now, but when I did clinical work in the past, I would often see that when masturbation became like a focus of, you know, conflict within a relationship, it wasn't about masturbation itself. It was more about the secret keeping about masturbation. And so that's where it's important to really differentiate between privacy and secrecy. Privacy is knowing that you have your own time. You don't have to share orgasm intensity on a 10-point scale or how much you ejaculated or, or I mean, like, what are you fantasizing about while you masturbate? That can all be private. It doesn't have to be shared. It, it can certainly be, you know, a topic of conversation if you do want to, you know, share fantasies. But I, and I'll, I, but I also think that they, it can be private. Secret keeping is denying that you masturbate altogether, right? And I think that's just setting yourself up for relationship conflict if you are engaging in behavior secretly where your partner thinks that you are not, because it's going to come out one way or the other. You're going to get caught. And then what happens with that is that now there's a betrayal. There's a violation of trust. And again, it's less about the masturbation itself, even though on the surface level, that's what's going to be kind of the focus of the conflict. But underneath that conflict, what you're actually arguing about is the violation of trust and that betrayal because there was a secret being kept. 
I agree with you. And I think that's why it's important for people to not make promises or commitment that they know that they will not be able to continue and have that difficult conversation if if possible, because you can talk to your partner about, as you said, like clarifying. It has nothing to do about like our relationship or I'm attracted to you. So if they're open, giving them more context about what you get out of that or what's the meaning of it for you. And I, you know, at times I hear this from some couples that I see that one partner feels that they're their partner is not attracted to them as or they don't want to have sex with them because they masturbate a lot or masturbate alone so they're they're kind of taking care of their needs and they that leads to them not having sex what do you think about that well we would have to look at the direction of that relationship right so if there is a decrease in the frequency of partnered sex without you know, any decrease in overall sexual desire if the person is still masturbating, if, you know, if that's talked about or if that was discovered somehow, I would be curious first of like, which which came first, right? Or masturbation or less interest in sex with the partner. The research has, has kind of shown a relationship, but it's been more confusing of the direction of the relationship. And some longitudinal studies show like for men, there is like a, a decreased interest in the relationship and then masturbation increases as a way to kind of fill that void, right? Not the other way around. So I would be interested in, in knowing like, okay, what is, what is, what's missing in the relationship? For this individual, why are they electing for masturbation over partnered sex? Oftentimes, again, you know, from my previous clinical practice, what I would see is that masturbation arguments over masturbation, if there is this belief that it's somehow a replacement for partnered sex and that's leading to sexual dissatisfaction within the relationship, that that's really just a symptom of something going on in the relationship. It's much larger than just, oh, this person masturbates too much and they no longer find me attractive. It's something else that's going on that needs to be worked out and like couples counseling to figure out, okay, why is this disconnect actually happening? It's easy to point the finger at masturbation. It's even easier to point the finger at porn as an easy scapegoat for relationship problems. But it's always kind of like what's underneath the surface of this. I agree with you. I think if if we call it the disease and kind of when someone is masturbating and calling it addiction, then we're kind of like focusing on that versus looking at the relational dynamic and psychological component of what, what is happening. Sometimes people have like a certain kind of sexual interests and kind of like things that they want to like fantasies they want to engage in. And that's that's why they they have the partner and don't masturbate or it could be part of their kind of like form of sexual expression. And previously becoming sex therapist, I had some training on sex addiction. And I know that they were talking about in that model, period of abstinence from masturbation as a way to kind of like reboot the, your relationship. Is that a thing? Is that like a scientific information connected to that? Tell us more about that. No, that's that's ridiculous. And that, that really kind of, sh- and that's very common, common belief within kind of a, this sex addiction masturbation, porn addiction kind of model of, you know, comparing it to substance use disorders and oftentimes where, you know, abstinence or at least a period of abstinence is just part of like treatment planning. But with sex and and masturbation in particular, oftentimes that is recommended with this belief kind of going back to the my opening statements here of like, there's something inherently unhealthy with masturbation. So it's okay in moderation, but you went too far. It's excessive. So let's kind of quote unquote reboot, go a period of abstinence. And so you're able to kind of refocus and develop a a healthier relationship with your sex life. That's not necessary. 
oftentimes what we're seeing is just a conflict of values. And so research over the past 10 years has definitely shown, especially with porn addiction, that that label of porn addiction is often from people who have this conflict of values, that they think porn is bad, it's unhealthy, it's immoral, but they watch it anyways. And so, yeah, they're going to feel like they're addicted to it because they're doing something that they, they've told themselves they don't want to do or they shouldn't be. But that's not necessarily an addiction. It's just you're engaging in a behavior that's conflicting with your values. And so the treatment approach has always been, well, that's a problem with your behavior then. So let's eliminate the behavior as opposed to, well, maybe your values are just too rigid on this. Maybe this behavior has some meaning in your life, has some function. Maybe it's important in some way. So maybe we need to look at your value system and maybe do some modification within your values and how you look at sexuality and, and masturbation in particular. So I would never recommend a period of abstinence as kind of like a, a treatment recommendation. I don't think that's getting at the root of the problem at all. And in fact, I think that's just further perpetuating the stigma against masturbation as like, that's the bad thing. So we need to cut it out. And it's been my experience again. I've, I got training and, and a part of that model. I've experimented with implementing it. What I've noticed is that for people who have like, they kind of like, they're sick, but unquote successful with this, it ends to the suppression of their erotic mind in a way that now you're not masturbating. But like when it comes to like you're out of that abstinent model, you're sexually disconnected. I've seen that a lot of time that then people coming in afterward that they just like, they're not connected with their sexual self. As, as you mentioned, it's really helpful to look at your values and the function of it so that that can like help you to live a life that's aligned with what you want, but doesn't necessarily put unrealistic expectation on you. Exactly. Right. And so when there is this conflict, and often the time it's a religious conflict, right? I talk, use more general kind of like moral values, but often that, that morality is, is influenced by one's religious beliefs. So it's a religious value conflicting with the sexual behavior. And like I said earlier, if like that, those values can be reexamined of like, well, maybe this isn't like a belief system that's really fitting to your natural desires and something that is like behaviorally is really kind of serving a function in your life. Maybe let's kind of take a second look at, you know, your belief system and how important is this for you? Or is this just kind of a, a carryover from a religion that you're born into without really kind of critically examining whether it fits in your adult life or not. Well, let's say the person gets to the point where it is like, no, this, my religious values are really important for me and I, I want to adhere to that value system. And if masturbation conflicts with that and then it isn't aligned with that value system, then that's, that's that person's cross to bear, so to speak, right? And there has to be an acknowledgement of like, I want to do this, but my values say I can't, right? And so, of course, that's going to create conflict for that person because they are prohibiting themselves from doing something that is pleasurable. But that's not a masturbation problem. If anything, that's a religious problem, right? They're struggling spiritually and religiously to adhere to the tenets of their faith. It has nothing to do with masturbation being kind of like this addiction or kind of like this inherently unhealthy or kind of evil behavior that's trying to, to tempt you. No, people can perfectly have a healthy relationship with masturbation, no problem that aligns with their their values. For this person individu individually, however, their, their religious values say otherwise, but that's a religious issue, not a sexual one. I agree with you. And I think again, the, the more deeper we're looking at these topics and these challenges and conflicts can help us to be able to resolve them in a more meaningful way. And I think it's helpful to kind of when you're looking for providers, if you're looking for couple therapists to kind of 
of interview and see who, what are some of their values are and if they're aligned with, with what you're looking for or not. I know, Dr. Sprankle, that you have so many great content out there. I personally follow you on Instagram. You have lots of cool content and cat pictures. And I know you have a book coming up. So if people are interested to learn more about you, what are some of the places that they can find you? Yeah, right now it's just Instagram and Twitter. Same handle for both at Dr. Sprankle. I put my my website on hold. That's drsprankle.com. It just says like coming soon and then the title of my book there. I'll launch that once I at least have, you know, the cover of the book and, you know, some more information. But right now it's just at Dr. Sprankle for Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to have you on our show. Thanks for having me. As we wrap up this episode, let's quickly recap some of the key benefits of masturbation within a relationship. First of all, it enhances your self-awareness or it has the possibility of helping you to enhance your awareness. It can help you better understand your body preferences and desires and ultimately it can lead you to have more satisfying and fulfilling experiences with your partner. I did this exercise to all of my vulva owner clients. Many of them never experienced an orgasm and through practicing solo, that's a skill that they will be able to master. Second benefit is stress relief and improve mood. It can increase like release of feel-good hormones like oxytocin, serotonin, endorphin, and also promote relaxation and emotional well-being, which can positively impact your relationship. I know at times my clients say that my partner just want to have sex with me so they can get the experience of release and they can relax. And I want them to want to have sex with me. And I absolutely get it. And I think on this occasion that you just want to do it to experience release or falling asleep, you might be better off masturbating. So you can save those times that you want to have more connecting, soulful moments. You can have sex with your partner. But if they're not into being part of your release, then masturbation can be a fantastic option. The third benefit, based on my opinion, is helping you to maintain your sexual independence. Engaging in self-pleasure while in a relationship can foster a sense of sexual autonomy and help maintain a healthy balance between shared and individual experiences. I have couples that they have significantly different level of desire and uh, with one partner engaging in solo activities from time to time, it helps them to not feel pressured and resentful. And when they have sex together, it can make it more exciting. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of masturbation within relationship. If you're up for it, I invite you to send this episode to your partner as a conversation opener to see what they think about masturbation. Because it doesn't matter what we think as experts, what's really important is what works for you and your partner. And sometimes when you have clear communication, you will have a better understanding of their perspective and what would work for your relationship. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search Sexology Podcast for more captive discussions and feel free to send in your questions for us to address. Until next time, stay curious and open-minded. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www sexologypodcast.com Please be advised that information 
presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.